Well, hello, Huda Thunkers. This is the host of the Huda Thunk podcast, proud host, uh, Zeb here, coming at you with episode 122. We've made it to 122, a random landmark. Not really a, not really a landmark number, but it's cool. 122 episodes. Love it. Cool. Uh, this episode is titled Morse Code. You've almost certainly heard of Morse Code. Um probably doesn't strike you as a super interesting thing but there are some really cool stories throughout history about morse code and even the origin story of morse code which i've been seeing circulating on my history memes uh (laughs) pages that i follow on reddit and whatnot um and that's what sparked this i read a meme about the the origin story of morse code i thought it was interesting thought i'd look into it um and then i found some youtube videos that told me even cooler stories in history where morse code was a pivotal uh, point so before we get into more, more about Morse code here, we're going to do the recommendation segment, as I've been known to do. This week, I recommend you go to your local farmer's market. That's right. Not a specific thing I'm, re- I'm uh, recommending, much like how my mom once recommended to go outside. Um, not a specific thing, not a commercial thing. Um, also, it's a good point to note these recommendation segments are not things that I get paid for when I recommend them, such as recommending going outside or going to your farmer's market. Definitely not an ad. Anyway, recommend you go to your farmer's market because Shannon, my beautiful fiance and I go every Saturday morning. We have a blast. Uh, we don't usually fulfill all of our grocery needs there, but we do get a lot of the essentials like bread, meat, dairy, vegetables, fruit, coffee, honey, hummus. And there is this like really cute mushroom stand that just sells all different kinds of mushrooms, which is pretty cool, which makes us eat a lot more mushrooms. Like I said, it doesn't fulfill everything we need. They don't, they're not handing out giant bags of sugar or flour typically. That's fine. We go to the grocery store when we need those things. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to going to your local farmer's market. It's a fun experience because there's a bunch of stands that are made for you to eat food right there. Like they're making, it's like walking around eating brunch as you grocery shop. It's way better, way more pleasant experience than grocery shopping because you don't have to wait in line with carts and stuff. It's, it's, it's way more cool. You can get freshly fried pierogies at the one I, we go to, baked goods, an entire assortment of fresh Greek fusion food right there as you're checking out what kind of bread you want for the week. It's amazing. Not everything at the farmer's market is the right price, though. Some things you can buy for a bargain. You're like, wow, this is so much cheaper. Or maybe it's, you know, a lot higher quality, but about the same price. That's a bargain. Other times (laughs) you look at things and it's like three times or more what they would cost anywhere else. Um, So you just buy what you can and pick what you want. A good example is uh, I was like, "Ooh, we are out of oil. We're out of cooking oil. There's this olive oil stand over here. Let's go check it out. It was like $25 for a tiny little bottle of, of olive oil. And I was like, what the heck? I, I don't think it costs that much in the store and it does not. So some things are super expensive and super niche. Like if you're huge, like I have heard some people, they like their good olive oil stuff. Maybe that's their thing. I'd rather pay the <laughs> much less than that. Also, inflation is making thing prices a little wonky, but farmer's market, you can find some things that are at a good bargain, a lot higher quality, a lot less pesticides and stuff. So every Saturday morning, we eat, shop, and enjoy each other's company. It is delightful. Plus, our money is going right back into our local economy instead of a big grocery chain where the money goes somewhere else where I don't see it. When I'm buying things here, I'm buying things from a farm that's 10, 20, 30 minutes away, and I know the people that I'm buying it from, and it's benefiting them. And then they're coming, and they're doing things that are awesome in our community that give back to the community. That's how economy works or economics work. 
So check out your local farmer's market. It has become one of the, my most cherished additions to our weekly routine. No, now for the main event, enough with that recommendation segment. This week's episode is about Morse code. What is Morse code? Well, plainly, the Oxford languages defines it as an alphabet or code in which letters are represented by combinations of long and short signals of light or sound. Okay, I do have a diet. This is a very visual heavy podcast. Um, like I said, you can definitely listen, but the blog is cool. You want to check out some pictures or just Google what does Morse code look like? It uses dots and dashes to represent letters, and it's pretty helpful. A, a Morse code is an efficient way to communicate about emergency situations, since you can send such messages via ham radio transmitters with little power and less bandwidth than other standard voice communication tools. So if you have a dinky little radio that uh, doesn't sound too great, it's not very powerful, Morse code hardly needs any kind of power or bandwidth to get its message across. Whereas me talking to you, it requires a lot more power. So Morse code transmits letters using two different kinds of signals, short duration and long duration, or sometimes referred to as dots and dashes. Um, good example here to say the, let's pick a letter on our list here to say the letter uh, L it would go boop, 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 boop. That's L. So it's a short one, boop, a long one, boop, and then two short ones. That's an L. Sounds hard, but once they had people who were really good at Morse code and they could read it super quickly, they'd be like, boop, 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 and they're just like, boop, 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 and they're all over the place. You could tell a whole sentence, and people who are good enough at reading it, that was their job, were good at Morse code. So pretty cool there. As Morse code requires limited bandwidth, it is ideal for transmission via shortwave radio. Um, and a skilled Morse operator could still read the text even if the signal was noisy and disturbed. Morse code was heavily used for secret transmissions during World War I and World War II. Morse code is a very effective communication tool, and my interest in communication is only cemented by my master's degree in the subject of communication. I, I wrote that really weird. I have a master's degree in communications. That's why I like Morse code and crap like that. Um, I, you know, I better like communication still. I'm still paying off the damn degree. Anyway... <laughs> So that's a little overview of Morse code. Now let's get into the origin story. It was created in the 1800s and has a rather remarkable origin story. Samuel Finley Brees Morse, or Samuel F.B. Morse, was born in 1791 and died in 1872. Pretty good run. You might be able to tell by his name that he was the inventor of Morse code, but he did so much more. He was born in Charlestown, Massachusetts, the first child of the pastor Jedediah Morse. What an old-timey name, Jedediah. Uh, Jedediah Morse was his dad, who was also a uh, geographer, and his wife, Elizabeth Ann Finley Brees. So, good parents. I got a picture of where of the place where he grew up. Um, yeah, origin story. After attending Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts, Samuel Morse went to Yale College, a little little old college you might have heard of, Yale's pretty prestigious, to study religious philosophy, mathematics, and science. While at Yale, he attended lectures on electricity from Benjamin Silliman and Jeremiah Day, and was a member of the Society of Brothers in Unity. He supported himself by painting, and in 1810, he graduated from Yale with uh, Phi Beta Kappa honors. Morse was one smart cookie. I think it's funny, he was in, he was in Phi Beta Kappa honors, and he was part of the uh, Brothers in Unity. I just imagine this <laughs> the guy who created Morse code just 
you know, killing some Bud Lights with his fraternity bros. That's not probably at all what happened, but that's what I imagine. But anyway, after he graduated from Yale in 1810, he uh, married, I love this, I love this name, it's pretty cool, Lucretia, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A, Lucretia Pickering Walker, on September 29th of 1818 in Concord, New Hampshire. He settled down, became an established painter by his middle age. His specialty was painting portraits. So that little side job that got him through college at Yale became his career, it seems. Um, he went to college for one thing, philosophy, mathematics, science, became a painter. Ain't that just the way that goes? <laughs> so, uh, so he's a painter. I've got some pretty cool paintings on here. He does one of like Hercules. He does portraits that are breathtaking. They look so realistic. Um, but he also does different mosaics and stuff like that. His painting career was going well. He was commissioned to paint a portrait of Marquis de Lafayette. Side note, if you don't know who that is, you should. Uh, Lafayette, his name is all over America. Marie-Joseph-Paul-Yves Roch, Gilbert du Montier, Marquis de Lafayette. Uh, known as known in the U.S. as just Lafayette <laughs> because we don't have those, them big old names like they do over in Europe. But Lafayette was a French aristocrat and a military officer who fought in the American Revolutionary War, commanding American troops in several battles, including the Siege of Yorktown. There are countless towns, buildings, colleges named after Lafayette. He was a badass and a true ally to the American people. So pretty cool person in history. I got a picture of him shaking hands, or a picture of a painting of him shaking hands with uh, George Washington. So he's pretty important. And without him, ooh, Revolutionary War might have been a little different. Anyway, I digress. Morse was tasked with painting a portrait of this badass Frenchie Lafayette. And this prestigious painting project started out with a simple study of Lafayette's face to get the details down. He wanted, he didn't want to botch it. He wanted to get it right. But the portrait was never finished. I have a picture of the unfinished portrait, and it still looks pretty cool. Uh, but why was it not finished? Well, it was never finished because while he was working on Lafayette's portrait, Morse received a letter from a messenger on horseback that his wife, Lucretia, was ill. He freaked out, dropped his paint. Lafayette's like, go, bro, go go see your, your sick wife. Um, so Morse rushed away. He, he rushed away from his unfinished portrait to be with his wife's side. She was quite far away, and people traveled by horseback back then. So at the time, it was, uh, you know, a couple of days till he reached her. Before Morse could reach his wife, Lucretia, she died. Lucretia died on February 7th of 1825 of a heart attack shortly after the birth of their third child. And not only did Morse arrive too late to be there for his lover's final moments, but by the time he arrived, she had already been buried. Stricken with grief, Morse was so upset uh, by how slow the message took to reach him on horseback that he set his sights on a faster form of communication. He got to work developing his own electronic communication device, a telegraph type thing. In this process, he created Morse code and the most efficient form of long range communication the world had ever seen. So pretty cool origin story. On May 24th, 1844, Samuel F.B. Morse dispatched the first telegraphic message over an experimental line from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore. The message taken from the Bible numbers 21, or sorry, 2323 and recorded on a paper tape had been suggested to Morse by Annie Ellsworth, the young daughter of a friend. I have a picture of that piece of paper on the blog. I don't know about you, but I think that is one hell of an origin story 
for a, uh, a form of communication. I don't know his personality or how exactly he reacted when he found his wife buried, but my mind imagines a man so frustrated with the way the world works that he changed it through determination and being pissed off. I like to think his grief was turned into such a powerful form of anger and determination that he used his earlier education at Phillips Academy in Yale to create a form of communication uh, so efficient that it is still used today almost 200 years later. So um, find that quite cool. Um, didn't know that was a thing about Morse code there. Now, Morse code isn't the easiest to learn or memorize because the sequence of dots and dashes per each letter doesn't go in the same order as the alphabet. So it's kind of interesting to know that, meaning that it does not go in the order of, um, like you would think if you're going down the line to, to assign dots and dashes to an alphabet, you would start with A. Maybe A would have just one dot, B would have two dots, C would have three dots. Once you get to D, you go one dot and one dash, and then you just work away down that way just because it's that's how they're in order. No, Morse designed the code to be as efficient as possible. Remember, it's all about efficiency and, and, and quickness. So he he designated the shortest sequences of dots and dashes to the most frequent letters used in the English language. So example, E uh, is the most frequent letter used in the English language. That's just one dot. T is a pretty uh, second most frequently used. So it's just one dash and so on and so forth till you get down to like the the x's and the q's and the z's those have a bunch of dashes and dots a source for this podcast is the youtube channel i think i think they pronounce it dong but it's d exclamation ng where michael also known as vsauce and in his uniquely delightful and quirky self breaks down and, ed and educates you about morse code some of the easiest ways to memorize morse code if you want to learn it it's pretty cool uh, the way he shows you the, the video is at the bottom of the blog i also have a link to it right here in this paragraph i would tell you the title for the video <laughs> but like i said unique, uniquely quirky that michael is um the title of the video is in morse code so it's just a bunch of dots and dashes <laughs> so there you go and no i didn't translate it didn't feel like it <laughs> Michael also Michael also highlighted some of the more interesting uses of Morse code and stories of it throughout history. Uh, just a quick one, such as the Capitol Records building in Hollywood, the very, very tippy top, there's a light on there, and it blinks in Morse code every night. And can you guess what it blinks? Hollywood. Cool. <laughs> I remember watching this years ago, and I was walking through downtown Pittsburgh at night, and I saw... Um, a street light blinking. I was like, is it Morse code? I'm like, no, I'm going insane. That's not Morse code, but whatever. <laughs> Some of our his historically cool stories about Morse code, the Colonel Jose Espejo uh, put Morse code into a pop song. And why did he do that? He's down there in Colombia. He did the, he hid the message because of a hostage situation. The Colonel was trying to save hostages who had been fair. He was fairly certain had access to radios. They could listen to the radio and knew Morse code. The colonel was also fairly certain that their captors, the FARC terrorists, did not know Morse code. So he put Morse code in a song that was going to be go throughout all of the radio at the time as a pop song. The message that the colonel hid in the song translates to 19 rescued, you are next, don't lose hope. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and the reason why he said don't lose hope is they've been there a long time. The song, if you want to look it up, is Better Days by Natalia Gutierrez y Angelo. Uh, on the blog, I included a two-minute two minute video that explains the situation, Colonel and saving people, and shows the Colonel's briefing. The video by DDB Worldwide um, had this in the description. 
In Colombia, kidnapped policemen and soldiers have been held by guerrilla forces for more than 12 years, hearing only the news that the guerrillas want them to hear. As prisoners are as prisoners are allowed to listen to music on the radio, DDB Colombia created a song with a hidden message. The beat was actually Morse code, letting um, prisoners know how many victims have been rescued and that they will soon be as well. For the first time in over a decade, the voice of the military forces of Colombia broke through the guerrilla enemy's lines with the power of information and gave their men strength and hope. I love that. Find that very empowering and how communication is so important. These men, after 12 years of captivity, who knows where their minds were? That probably meant a lot to them. And they did receive the message. Another story. In World War II, Major Alexis Cass Dagley, a British POW, was held captive in a bunch of different Nazi prison camps. He was held for he was held prisoner for about uh, four years. So not 12 years long, but still, they're the Nazis. He was captured by at the Battle of Crete and marched up Greece for six and marched up Greece for six weeks before being flown to North Germany. So he was captured there having run a textiles company before the war he knew a little bit about sewing but not too much so he had and he had nothing but time on his hand as a prisoner so when he was given a canvas by another prisoner he started stitching for something to do because what else are you gonna do um in december of 1941 he sewed a canvas that reads in plain english i'm reading it to you from the picture here this work was done by major a.t cass dagley number 3311 while in captivity at Dossel Warburg, Germany, December 1941. And he put like swastikas, sickles and hammers and bells and whistles and all these different things uh, on this canvas. It actually looks pretty cool uh, other than the swastikas. That's not ideal. Um, but he wanted to do that so that the, his uh, captors would be like, oh, cool. You know, just a nice little piece of art that our prisoner made. Makes us look good that our prisoners can make art. However, when you take note of those little dots and dashes in the border around the message on the canvas, you notice it is Morse code. Instead of spotting the comments, his Nazi captors put the canvas on display in the castle where he was being held and subsequently three other prison camps because <laughs> he went to all these prison camps. What did the Morse code say in the canvas? He had two messages. There was two, two lines of them. One said, God save the king, which is basically rallying him and his other British buddies like, you know, this war still going on, God save the king, which they wouldn't have been happy about, um, the Nazis, but they'd be a lot less happy about this second message that he put in there. Um, um, uh, what do you call this? Parental advisory, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bad word he wrote. He wrote, fuck Hitler. <laughs> in Morse code, he wrote, fuck Hitler on a canvas that, <laughs> that his prison guards were like, oh, that's pretty. Let's hang it up. And they hung it up in four different Nazi camps where it said, God save the king and fuck Hitler. <laughs> Love that. It's a little, little uh, you know, nonviolent protest. Thought that was great. During the Vietnam War, there was a guy named Jeremiah Andrew Denton Jr. He was serving on the USS Independence when he was shot down on July 18th, 1965 on a combat mission over North Vietnam. He was captured by local Vietnamese army troops shortly after being shot down near Tan Hoa, um, about 70 miles south of Hanoi. That was the day Denton became a POW of the Vietnam War. Now, today, we've heard all these horrific stories about uh, POWs in Vietnam and how they were not treated well at all. Um, but back then, they weren't certain. 
On May 2nd of 1966, as part of a propaganda campaign, the North Vietnamese arranged for him to be interviewed for television by a Japanese reporter. While speaking on camera, he blinked in Morse code. The whole time he's talking to them and they're asking him, you know, what do you think about the American government in Vietnam? And he's saying, well, I, I support them. Um, I support my government. I know you don't want me to say that. I know you want you to denounce them, but because it was propaganda. But he was saying, no, I support the American government and they're doing, you know, all that stuff. Um, but as he was blinking in Morse code and the Navy uh, decoded it, he blinked in Morse code torture which is very macabre. Eventually, the videotape was widely circulated and reviewed by U.S. Naval Intelligence. Denton's one-word report via his eyelids, delivered in Morse code, was the first clear confirmation received by U.S. Intelligence that the uh, American POWs were, in fact, being tortured. So, quite quite macabre there. Um, but they were, and that was super helpful. So those are some of the ways that Morse code has impacted our, our, uh, our life. Morse code is cool, you know? At one point, as a kid, I wanted to memorize it, but I thought it would be a neat little party trick, you know? But I realized that wasn't really necessary. As long as I could have, I could recognize a message is Morse code, and then I could just Google the translation, and I'd be able to read it without hours of practice. So that's what I do now. But I like Morse code. I respect it, it's, and I respect its origins, and how efficient it is, and what it's done, and all the pivotal moments in, our, in human history that it has contributed to. So... Hope you liked it too. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Go check out your local farmers market. Um, check out that video of it's it's uh, the, the the you just look up Vsauce Morse code. You'll find the video, um, and that one's actually pretty good. Michael breaks it down, and a lot of the stories he, he I shared here he shared on his video as well. Until next week, Huda Thunkers. Catch you next time. <laughs>